Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 56 of The Revenge of Kang. Today's page continues chapter 32, The Master Kang, which began yesterday. Our heroes had tracked Kang down to Earth in the 50th century. They ventured to a foreboding fortress where they knew, just knew, that Kang must be, just as they knew, just knew, that humanity had gone extinct long ago on the evidence of these rocks lying everywhere. And so we left our heroes poised before the dark fortress, ready to venture in and catch Kang and... I don't know. Take him to time jail, bury him in concrete. I don't know what our plan is for Kang, but whatever it is, we got to get through this fortress first. And that means a dungeon crawl. The first thing we encounter is the main entrance to the fortress. And this is described on the previous page. Quote, this is a huge set of iron double doors, incredible strength material. It takes a remarkable intensity, strength, or power feat to open the doors and gain entrance to the castle. The castle walls are made of unearthly strength material. So we need strength to open the doors, incredible strength if we want to open them quickly, remarkable strength would do if we don't mind opening them slowly, that's no problem. Or if we decide that we would rather not very slowly creak open the front door to our enemy's lair, there are lots of other ways to get in. Advika Jaw could go in and astral form and scout first, Scoop could phase right through the door, we have lots of options. But assuming that, like chumps, we just open the door, we find a lobby. Quote, this is simply a huge entryway that provides access to the remaining rooms in the castle. But before we can get our bearings and take a look at the different doors here and decide which way we want to go, four panels in the floor slide open and up come four security robots. The robots have excellent body armor, plasma cannons that do excellent damage, and net guns, which grapple with the equivalent of good strength and are made of excellent strength material. Depending on the group, these robots may be a more or less significant threat. They each have 120 health, so I feel like this battle is going to be kind of a slog. And please note that there is no roll available to notice these panels in the floor so that you can maybe avoid this trap somehow. There's no role possible to disable the system that opens the panels and activates the robots. This is happening to you if you enter the lobby, which you have to do. With one exception. We'll get to that later. So, sorry if you built a rogue for what is obviously a D&D game at heart, uh, but no disable device allowed. No find traps. These traps are happening. You're just going to have to fight these robots. I think it's very unlikely that any of the three groups we're following are going to come close to losing this battle, but I think it's quite likely that they're going to take damage. Once we've scrapped these robots, we've got our choice of six doors around the perimeter of the lobby. You can find a map, by the way, today on patreon.com slash megadumbcast, a public post free for everybody. You can find a visual companion. This is the same map of the floor plan that I posted yesterday, but today without the censoring so that you can check out what's in each of these rooms. If we assume that our heroes work their way along the left wall relative to the main doors, The first door they'll come to leads to museum number one. Quote, this room houses a few of the artifacts Kang has acquired during his many jaunts through time. Included in the room are a German panzer, a cannon from the American Civil War, an original Rembrandt, and some gold jewelry from ancient Egypt. This seems like an oddly provincial collection for Kang. Kang, who has been across the entire timeline, like he's spanned human history. He's been everywhere. He's been to alternate realities. He's been to other planets. And here in his museum, he's got a panzer, a cannon, one Rembrandt, and like a gold necklace from Egypt. But we're not here to judge the collection. We're here to get shot by it. Quote, 
If any of the heroes are in the room for more than a single round, one of the machine guns on the tank suddenly draws a beat upon them and fires. The machine gun has an effective agility of good, it does excellent damage just like the robots did, and it'll just keep shooting until everybody's dead, or we break it. So, say any given superhero got shot once by the robots, once by the machine gun, everybody's now down 40 health. Nothing else of interest here in the museum. The next door along the left wall is the laboratory. Quote, This room features Kang's collection of super scientific equipment. All the items and equipment the heroes will need for any kit-bashing attempt they might care to try can be found here. And it goes on to say that if you search the lab and pass an excellent intensity reason feat roll, then you realize that Kang was recently building a sophisticated robot here. So one more little clue to write down in our notebook. And then we're on to the next room along the left wall, referred to in the text as the trap room. Quote, this room exists solely to trap any intruders who might attack Kang's castle. The way this works is, quote, just after the hero or heroes enter this room, the ceiling suddenly rushes to the ground, inflicting amazing crushing damage upon everyone in the room. Anyone who can pass an amazing intensity intuition feat notices the ceiling is falling in time to try to jump out of the room. Requires an excellent intensity agility feat. Anyone who can pass an amazing intensity strength or power feat can catch the ceiling and prevent everyone from taking damage. This is some bullshit. It would be the dumbest thing on this page, but it's only an instance of a pervasive problem. Lots of traps contributed to making this page bullshit. The crushing ceiling is just the star attraction. It almost goes without saying that the idea of a single character making an amazing intensity intuition feat to notice the ceiling coming down, followed by an amazing intensity strength feat to hold the ceiling up and save everyone, this is not a thing that is going to happen. Among the dozen heroes that I have spread across all three teams that we're following through this adventure, Ford's Furies, the Misfits, and the Secret Zoomers, there are zero characters who have any chance to notice the ceiling falling. You would need at least an incredible intuition or an incredible sensory power of some kind that you could roll instead, even to be able to pay karma through the nose to get yourself a red result to make an amazing intensity intuition feat. So of, of all 12 heroes I randomly rolled, all of them have literally a zero chance of noticing the ceiling falling. If, as the judge, I were very forgiving and allowed these characters to notice the ceiling about to crush them, two of these 12 characters, Glass Cannon and Scoop, the former with her strength, the latter with her control over the element of Earth, would be able to stop this ceiling from falling on everyone with a red result, which would almost certainly require them to spend karma, if they could detect the ceiling falling, which they can't. In fact, I went through the entire Advanced Judges book that lists all of the superheroes in the core game, and I found two characters who would have even a decent chance of both noticing and stopping this ceiling. Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange. This is not an adventure for a Doctor Strange or a Silver Surfer. Nor is this the kind of situation where you would expect superheroes to need a Doctor Strange or a Silver Surfer. If you're fighting Dormammu, you call Doctor Strange. If Galactus comes to town and says he's going to eat the planet, you call Silver Surfer. You don't often hear superheroes saying things like, boy, that was sure a big slab of rock that was about to fall on my head from like 20 feet overhead. It's a good thing the Silver fucking Surfer was here to use the power cosmic to protect my delicate cranium. But that's the kind of firepower you got to bring to avoid this trap. And if you don't avoid the trap... Why? You take amazing crushing damage. That's 50 points of damage. Let's assume that each of these heroes was hit by one robot for 20 damage and hit by one machine gun blast for 20 damage in the museum. They've taken 40 damage so far. They would take another 50 damage if they get hit by this trap, which they almost certainly will, unless they happen to be a former herald of goddamn Galactus. That's 90 damage. That's enough to kill Cub Scout or Super Ball or All Ears or Scoop or Advika Jaw or Slime Time, or Short Out, 
In fact, even if Shortout hadn't taken any damage at all so far, this would still be enough to kill a Shortout. This trap is fucking brutal, and the worst thing about it isn't even the ridiculous difficulty of noticing that it, the ceiling is falling on you, the ridiculous difficulty of somehow stopping it, or the outrageously high amount of damage it does, but the fact that there is no mechanism provided at all for finding this trap, even if you're specifically looking for it, let alone disabling it. There's just no way to engage this crushing ceiling other than being crushed by it. That is the bare minimum you need to hit to play fair in a dungeon crawl like this. If you're going to have a trap that is a real threat of a total party kill, it would be nice to provide some mechanism, however far-fetched, for people not to get killed by the trap. But the fact that you can't even roll to notice the crushing ceiling until it's already falling is outrageous. And remember, no roll to notice or disable the security robots, no roll to notice or disable the machine gun trap, all through the lobby, all along this left wall, it's just been traps that kill you dead, and there's no chance to detect them. Now, the good news is there are stairs in this room going up to the single room on the second floor, uh, which is our ultimate destination. The bad news is those stairs are unusable because it turns out this room is just an excuse for a falling ceiling, and it's now full of rubble. Probably we are corpses beneath that rubble, but even if we are not, we're not going up these fucking stairs, which means it's time to move on over to the right-hand wall. Uh, if we go all the way back, loop around, and hit the first door along the right-hand wall, we will find museum number two, quote, among the items stored here are a complete dinosaur skeleton, a map that was drawn by Christopher Columbus himself, who seems like he would be a hero of Kang, the piece of shit, quote, a suit of Maximilian plate mail armor and a spyglass that once belonged to Napoleon. Hey, we met that guy. We played chess with him, but we never even got a turn. He was so good at chess, he comboed us until all our health was gone and we suffered a chess KO. And there's nothing else interesting in this room and there are no traps in this room. Moving on, the next door, according to the map, leads to a library. However, there is no library described in the text, so kind of awkward. When, when we look inside and see nothing but the GM frantically thumbing through the adventure module, we'll just politely step back and close the door and move on. The final door along the right wall leads to the timeship chamber. That is basically a garage where Kang keeps his timeship. Quote, when the heroes enter the room, the timeship is gone. It goes on to say, quote, anyone who examines the computers that Kang hooks up to the timeship while it is docked and passes an excellent intensity reason feat roll realizes that the timeship has left within the last few minutes. There is no way to determine exactly where the timeship was headed. So the timeship mechanisms are a bust, but there are working stairs in this room, which means we can finally head up to the single room on the second floor, Kang's chamber. Quote, this room features a large throne, a table, and some simple computers. Spread out across the table are papers which contain some of Kang's time-space figures. There's something both ridiculous and charming about the idea that Kang, who is from the 30th century, and spent his formative years in the 40th century, traveled to a secluded fortress in the 50th century to a table surrounded by computers, and then worked out his delicate time-space calculations by just, like, rolling out some butcher paper on a table and writing on it with a sharpie. Quote, by glancing over the figures, the PCs can see how Kang determined that all of the heroes would be eliminated from the late 20th century if the 12 key heroes could be removed from the time stream. Anyone who glances at the figures can see that Kang has obviously spent the last several years researching the 20th century and the heroes. Once again, we can just tell. Our inexplicable powers of perception. We look at the butcher paper, we look at all the figures he's drawn here with his little sharpie, and we all just look one to another and like, we all agree this represents... Research into the 20th century and its heroes that have dominated the last several years of Kang's life, right? That's clear, just from the tenor of the Sharpie. Quote, another pile of papers on the table contains complex temporal calculations that trace out the destinies of all 12 of the key heroes, and note how they all overlap at one common point somewhere in the late 1960s. The approximate time-space coordinates of this point are included in the scribblings. So we have another set of coordinates, 
something tells me, my own amazing powers of perception, that we're going to have to follow these coordinates. Quote, anyone who passes a good intensity reason feat immediately notices that this latter set of figures was scrawled out much more recently than the second set. Anyone who passes an excellent intensity reason feat realizes that the figures were scrawled out within the last hour. Hold on, everyone. This Sharpie is still wet. Our prey is close. Here's the final piece of the puzzle so that I can identify the dumbest thing and we can get the fuck out of this fortress. Quote, analyzing the computers in the room won't yield any useful information. Though anyone who does analyze the computers notices that the heroes triggered an intruder alert alarm when they entered the castle. This setup is the dumbest thing in this page, and I'm going to give you a slight peek into the judge's text to show exactly why. Here's the account of the heroes entering the fortress on the previous page in the judge's text. Quote, Once the doors have been opened, Kang's highly advanced security systems instantly warn him of the hero's presence. Kang flees to his timeship and leaves to implement his contingency plan. See below. There is nothing the heroes can do to stop him. Just before Kang leaves, he throws a switch that arms the castle's formidable automated defense systems. So, it is in fact important to the plot that Kang was chilling out in the castle at the end of time. The heroes opened the doors to the castle, specifically opened the doors. This triggered a security alert. Kang heard the security alert, threw a switch to activate the castle defenses, then got in his time ship and left. That's why some of this Sharpie is so fresh. He was just working on it. It's specified in the text of some of these rooms that the security system had to be armed for these traps to go off. For example, in the lobby, quote, Since Kang threw the security switch before he fled, four panels in the floor slide open the instant the heroes enter the lobby to reveal four powerful security robots. So the text is very specific that only because Kang heard the alert and threw the switch are the security robots armed. The problem here is twofold. Number one, these traps are some bullshit. As I keep saying, There needs to be a mechanism to find them and disable them. It's not fun to just walk blindly through a dungeon crawl and get hit by every trap with no chance to resist it. In addition to not being fun, it might not be survivable for many characters. But Chris, you object. With your big old beard, and your t-shirt with a dragon on it, and your bookshelf full of AD&D modules that you played when you were a teenager, and stunted your growth in so many ways. This is old school. It's not the GM's job to keep you alive. It's your job to keep your character alive. It's not about rolling dice. It's about player skill. You need to get out your 10-foot pole and your rope and make your way through this castle and protect yourself. You're probably going to lose some superheroes along the way, but that's part of the fun. Dying and dying and dying over and over again. That's part of the fun. It builds character. Just look at me and my healthy psyche. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being needlessly... I really... I Listen... I like that style of play. I don't know why I'm insulting it. This is me. This is me doing my voice. I mean, my shirt doesn't have a dragon on it, but I'm not going to lie and pretend that I can't see the fiend folio from where I'm sitting right now. Here's the thing. That defense doesn't work here, and it's actually the second prong of what's so dumb, because if players play this dungeon in the only way I can think that it could reasonably be played, which is to attempt to use player skill, to be really cagey, to try to get around these traps, because there's no mechanical way for most characters to deal with them and survive using the mechanics as written. If you do that, this dungeon does not stand up at all. When we came in, I was mentioning, Scoop can phase right through the front doors. Advika Ja can astrally project right through the front doors. In fact, she can just go straight up to the top of the fortress if she wants to. And there are lots of other options here. There's no mention in the text of whether this fortress has windows, but if it does, we certainly could scout around and look in the windows and try to see what we're getting into, and maybe even get in one of the windows in some way. I'm not saying they wouldn't be secured, but unlike the unearthly strength walls, we might be able to bust through them or phase through them or whatever with some degree of stealth, and we've got the opportunity to do this because the text specifies that Kang doesn't notice the heroes until they open the front doors. So we've got a little time to circle the castle, 
find other ways in, try to peek through windows. And if we do, very conveniently, up on the second floor, Kang has all of his delicate calculations. All that shit is just laid out, written in Sharpie on butcher paper on his table. Not only that, his time ship is still here. If we manage to get into the fortress without alerting Kang, he's still here, has not yet escaped. His time ship is here, where we can block him from getting into it, sabotage it, redirect it, hide inside and jump him as soon as he gets where he's going, any number of options. If we get into the castle without alerting Kang, none of these security devices will be activated. No security robots, no machine gun, no falling ceiling trap that is specified. The ceiling only falls once the security system has been activated. Kang's security guy screwed him on this one. That is how it works explicitly in the text. So if we do think outside the box and manage to get into this fortress without opening the doors and triggering the alarm, not only does the dungeon become quite unthreatening, which would be fine, but also we have the opportunity to get a lot of the information that we're here to get without engaging this whole scene. And most importantly, we have the prospect of stopping Kang from fleeing, which would absolutely fuck up the next couple of chapters, if not the entire rest of the adventure. So the two-pronged dumbest thing on this page is that the way the security system in this dungeon is set up, if you engage it using the rules in a, in a way more reminiscent of modern play, where you're like rolling your character's skills, making checks, making saves, and playing through the site as intended, it might well kill you, and it's definitely absolute bullshit. Totally unfair. If you see that coming after having already played a couple of these adventures in the adventure path, and you try to think your way around this dungeon, you will probably succeed, especially if your group has certain powers like phasing, and you will cause not just this chapter, but probably the rest of the adventure to collapse. Because once you get off the railroad in this scene, the potential for you to learn things you're not supposed to learn and stop things you're not supposed to stop becomes very high. In fact, you can very clearly see these flaws in the progress of this podcast season, because even though I've just named all these ways that this shit could break down, there's no use even really contemplating or following them up outside this episode, because if we do, uh, then our heroes just don't engage the rest of the material in the book. So we just have to act like what's going to happen is that all of our heroes are going to go in, get blasted by robots, get blasted by a machine gun, I guess happen to not check out the trap room, because if they do, I don't see how they can really survive. Climb the stairs in the timeship room, find the information when they're supposed to find it after Kang has already left, get the coordinates, and use the coordinates from Kang's chamber to proceed to the next scene. There's just no other way to follow the progress of this adventure than to just assume that all of that works out, even though I am highly doubtful that players who have been burned as many times as players of this adventure series have will let that shit happen without a fight. Speaking of fights... Join me next time for one so big and complicated, you'll wish you had never bought and run this cursed fucking adventure on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>